Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of our Wednesday night study entitled A Study of Prayer based on the book How to Pray by Ronnie Floyd. Since this is a discussion-based study, we have edited out the comments made by those in attendance due to the fact that they do not have a microphone. May you draw closer to God each day in your prayer life. Lesson 14, Barriers to Prayer, The Wall of Strained Relationships. We're studying through a book uh, that was written by Ronnie Floyd, who uh, has been a pastor and a leader in the Southern Baptist Convention uh, for many years. And he's, I've heard him preach. He a, he's a, seems like a very, very fine, committed man of God. Uh, so we've, we've studied various sections of prayer. If you remember last week, we finished a, a two-week look at fasting. Uh, and if you haven't been with us, uh, I just let me backtrack enough to say, uh, to remember that while the Bible does address fasting, uh, Jesus doesn't say, if you fast, he says, when you fast. And so, it seems to be a given that we will consider uh, laying aside something that is the norm of our life in the Bible. Most of the time it is food, but I don't believe at all that it's limited to food. But you lay aside something that is a norm of your life, be it food, be it media, be it TV, uh, be it that cell phone and Facebook for hours on end, whatever it is, lay it aside so that you can then parse out and give that time to the Lord in communication and growth and prayer and seeking His will. Uh, that's the whole context of fasting is to lay something aside that's a norm so that you can give that time to the Lord. If you lay aside food, you're laying aside nourishment of the body so that you can concentrate on nourishment of the soul. So that's the, that's the kind of the context is the centerpiece of fasting. Uh, but we finished that last week. So we're going to move on. Tonight we start a new heading. Barriers to prayer. What keeps us from prayer? Uh, tonight's lesson, it is number 14, and I think we're going to have about 20 lessons when all of this falls out. Uh, lesson 14 tonight is the wall of strained relationships. Uh, can you truly be a man or woman of prayer if there is a relationship that is way out of order, filled with anger or malice in your life? That's what we're going to talk about. As we begin the study of prayer uh, we realize, if you watch the evening news tonight before you got here, you realize that we live in a very splintered country. Now that the, that the, uh, uh, as the news has come out as to Chauvin and what has happened and the sentence and all of that and facing sentencing, uh, we see protests on the street and all of that going on right now. We live in a very, very splintered country, uh, a country splintered by ideology by prejudice, by our beliefs. Uh, certainly, we are splintered politically. Uh, there are theo uh, theology issues that divide us uh, as churches. Uh, we're, we're splintered in, as churches in so many ways. And Ephesians, Paul describes the wall of separation uh, that was the major wall of his day. And that was the separation between Jews and Gentiles. The people who were chosen and called of God and the rest of the world. The rest of the world called Gentiles. The Jews chosen of God, Gentiles, were referred to as barbarians, not chosen of God. Uh, even the Roman elite and the intelligentsia of society were considered to be very 
undeserving of the grace and the love of God because they were Gentile. They were not chosen as the Jew. Uh, and so the world was very splintered in Paul's day. In fact, uh, J- Jews often called Gentiles dogs. The reason they called them dogs is because they were no more worthy of the grace and the love of God than a dog was. So Gentiles were referred to as dogs. How sad. Different races, different colors, uh, different diets, a great separation of dislike between these people, uh, uh, even hatreds. And, of course, you know, we see that biblically, especially between the Jews and the Samaritans uh, in, the, in the time frame of Jesus. Uh, but Paul says the wall of separation can only be broken down in one way. The wall of separation between people cannot be brought, brought down by, by our human efforts or by our human wisdom or by our human programs as to how we're going to get together, or our human efforts to say, why don't we all just stand in a circle and and sing Kumbaya and hold hands and all of us will get along together for, for the rest of our lives. Human effort will never bring unity among people. There's only one thing that brings unity among people according to God's Word, and that's the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the one unity bringer. So I want you, if you take down this reference, Ephesians chapter 4, Verses 1 through 6. Let me just read that for you. Write that reference down so you can get back to it. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Paul says to the Ephesian church, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. You notice that Paul is centering on the unity of the one. Uh, There is one God, there is one cross, there is one Savior who can bring unity among people. Uh, And also, uh, he says there is one body, there is one church. So there is no such thing, there is no such thing as a church for white people and a church for people of other color. that That is not within the definition of the church within God's Word at all. Uh, Rather, the church doors are open to every nation, to every person, to every color, because the cross of Jesus Christ is for every nation and every people and every color. So if we belong to Jesus, then our doors are open to all. That's what Paul is saying in a world that was very divided between Jew and Gentile. You know, if human effort was to bring forth the church in the first century, They would have decided, we're going to have a church that has converted Jews in it, and we're also going to have a church with converted Gentiles in it. But we hate one another, so we can't be the church together. And Paul's word here in Ephesians is saying, there's no such thing as that kind of church. If you're going to love Jesus Christ, you're going to love one another. There is one Savior, one cross, one Lord, one church, and all of us are part of that one church. So in other words, get over it. Uh, Put your hatreds behind you. You have to start becoming colorblind here and, and blind to socioeconomic issues that divide us. So the divisions within the church of America, 
are troubling as well. Uh, of course, we, we see, and I, I hope that we keep an eye on this, that there is a, seems to be a drift toward liberalism within the Church of America, uh, varying interpretations and emphases on the words of God regarding lifestyle and sexuality and living out the faith and leadership within the church. But, but there's that wall of separation uh, in the church itself and a divided church living in a divided nation is hard place to put, bring unity there. But here's my question. How do we approach that? You know, I, I don't think that we can compromise what we see within the Word of God to join the force of the church that has gone in a liberal direction and accepts a lot of unbiblical things as we see them. So how do, we, how do we mend that rift? How do we begin reaching out to bring unity to the church? I'm, so I'm kind of opening the floor to that. It's a hard question, right? So, so that there's dialogue. Yes. So, so, so far, a dialogue that's given in love. But also, we have to, to safeguard uh, that we don't get dragged away from what we know is true and biblical and we have to stand with courage on that. So in, in some ways, as, as I see it, and as I've thought about it uh, through this, this study, and particularly today as I've kind of put the final touches on it, is the church will always be splintered. Uh, and, and I don't know how we could ever begin to form a unity with a liberal church that's walked away from... Uh, I, don't wanna, I don't want a unity with a church that marries homosexual couples. Because it's not biblical. That's the reason. It's not biblical. So we can't compromise what we see within the Word of God uh, so that we can form a unity. We can, we can form a relationship and a dialogue, but we can't stand on that unified foundation uh, with those who are walking away from the Word of God. And I think that's true. I, I think that is true for the church. I think it's true for us as individuals. As we walk out into the world, we, we are going to stand on our principles and we're going to stand on our commitments uh, of our faith. We're going to stand on the Word of God. But you don't have to do that in such a way that you beat people up. You stand on those principles still reaching out with the love of Christ. And that, is that right? We want, we want to draw people in, not, not drive them away uh, to the love of Christ. But you can't compromise the Word to attract someone that is that and you're not using true principle to do that yeah. so so there's the primary example that even though the cross is coming for jesus he will not compromise his stance on who he is and who he represents and i i think in the in the same way we can't compromise our stance on who we represent and what his word says so in in that way you know our, our prayer is that others will see the truth of Christ residing in us and be dr drawn to that truth uh, and out of walking outside of the word of the Bible. Uh, but at the same time, especially for those churches, whether it be churches that don't sing like we do or you know, have a different music pattern than we have, if they are churches standing on the word of God, the truth of God as we are, then we need to have a relationship and a dialogue with them.
And, there, and there, there's where the real crux of the matter comes to with like-minded believers, even though we're different, different colors, uh, different churches, different styles of worship. But if we're standing on the Word strongly, courageously together, there's where the dialogue needs to open up. Well, let me, let me move on here. Let's, I wanted to cross that little uh, threshold of churches and how we work, begin working together so that we can develop a unity uh, that brings the unity of Christ to a very splintered nation. But let's bring this on a personal level here, which is more where the book is. Uh, an important point of the book uh, on prayer by Ronnie Floyd is that God cannot answer our prayers completely when our relationships with people are filled with anger or malice or ill will toward any one. That attitude in our life of anger towards someone is a barrier to God being able to completely answer our prayers. Uh, now, there's a, a great verse in the Bible, and I've, I've gone to this verse often. Will you always get along with everybody? Well, I appreciate that chorus of no's, because you're right. Uh, but, and I love this verse. I think about this verse. It's Romans chapter 12, verse 18, if you want to just write that down. But listen to what this says. Romans 12, 18 says, and this is Paul writing to the church, If it be possible... As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. But notice he says, if it is possible, live peaceably with all men. Now, from our standpoint, we want to live peaceably, peacefully with others. But what about that one who doesn't want to live peacefully toward us? Paul says, if it is possible. So if it's not possible, what is he implying here? If it's not possible for you to live peacefully with someone, what do you do? Give them space. Yes. Give them space. Doesn't mean that you, you have to completely disown, uh, uh, never speak, never relate, but give them space uh, so, that, so that the sparks don't fly. Uh, so I, I love that word from Paul, and I love the fact that it says, if it's possible, because sometimes it's not possible to live peacefully with everyone. That's just a fact of life, I'm afraid. Uh, Paul acknowledges that broken fences come in relationships of life. Uh, it's part of our human condition. Uh, we cannot change the other person's treatment toward us. We can't change their reaction to us. But as far as it depends on me, you, we're to strive for peace with all people. Uh, we're to live peacefully uh, with all people as much as that is possible. Uh, well, let's consider some forms of relationship. Uh, thinking about your general relationships with people, uh, are we at peace with all people? Well, uh, here's a scriptural reference, Matthew chapter 5. So here we are in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, uh, verses 21 and 22. And Jesus says this, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, meaning he's then referring back to an Old Testament word, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, 
shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Uh, which, by the way, uh, raka is an interesting term. It, it can mean you hard head or you got rocks in your head or uh, it's an insult uh, about the way a person thinks. Uh, but, but Jesus then qualifies it by saying it's not just killing somebody. It's not just committing the act of murder, but it's what's in your heart toward that person that God sees as well. Your attitude toward that person. Uh, it's not just your outward actions, it's your inward heart. And those are very convicting words uh, when it comes to how we feel about people. Jesus taught that murder is a sin and a violation of the law of God, but he took it further in saying that wrath and anger towards someone is just as, is just as serious as murder on, on the level of the law of God. Uh, in all of our general relationships, anger has to be confronted it has to be dealt with or it will continue to smolder toward another person. And the, and the longer you allow that to happen in your heart, the deeper and the hotter and the worse it will get. Uh, if, if, if our anger or malice smolders toward someone, Mary, anger that is allowed to smolder, uh, if it goes long enough, probably negative comments will come out about that person. Uh, we may never try to do physical harm, but we, we can strive to damage character. And according to the law of God, that's, that's a serious, serious offense. Uh, and so the premise of the book is if we have negative feelings in our heart towards somebody else, then we, we have some serious business to do with God uh, because we need to get that resolved. If we're going to be prayer warriors and we're going to be standing on the foundation of God answering our prayers, we need to... To get that resolved with God, we have to be reconciled with people uh, so we can be free to pray for God's will to be acted out through us and in us. That, you know, and James speaks to that in the Bible about are you going to, if the rich guy walks through the, the door, are you going to, because he has uh, the, the apparel and the, the look of being rich, do you give him the front seat and tell the poor guy sit in the corner? Uh, again, that, that spirit of disharmony, disunity, even within the walls of the church, that's, that's where we begin breaking it before we can ever get out the doors. We have to break that spirit inside before we can ever take it outside. Uh, well, uh, moving on, the book says the most challenging place to live the Christian life, here we go, is before your family. I heard you say it. So we look at family relationships first. Uh, we deal with a very pointed scripture that deals with uh, family relationship and prayer, the primary relationship of the family, which is husband and wife. So take this reference down. It's 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. And the old disciple Peter, given the Spirit of God, writes in a way that an old fisherman could never write. But filled with the Spirit of God, he writes this. 1 Peter 3, 7. Peter says, likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. In the context of husband and wives, God speaks to the relationship. Never should a man be mean or abusive 
to his wife or his daughter or any women in the family. The church calls men to be honorable toward women. It's an honor that women deserve. Now, in this passage, the reference to the wife as the weaker vessel is only on the level of physical strength. Uh, the wife is the weaker physically of husband and wife. It has nothing to do with uh, the mental capability. In fact, I don't think I want to come up against Gwen mentally. I think she'd beat me up. But uh, in terms of physical relationship, we men are to be the protectors. And it is an honor given to us by God. Uh, God's Word is so strong about marriage that God states if it's compromised, if our relationship within marriage is compromised, husbands to wives and wives to husbands within the family, our prayers will be hindered, held up, not reaching uh, the, the very throne of God. Men cannot demean or dishonor wives, and wives must respect and honor their husbands. Uh, in order for our families to have a strong prayer time, prayer life, uh, and connection with God, uh, our prayers will be hindered. The Greek, by the way, the Greek word for hindered, is it, it, its meaning is to break up a road so badly it cannot be traveled. To be hindered, break up a road so badly it cannot be traveled. That was an ancient tactic of keeping an army from invading a city. They would go, up and, go out and tear up the roads so the armies had a hard time getting in because the road was so torn down. Uh, how, do, how do walls come down between people uh, and thus gives passage to our prayers before God? Well, there are two actions, really, that we need to take in order to break down the barriers between people within our family, our church family and our physical families, and then on into the world, the people of the world that you and I come in contact with. Number one, uh, we make the first move to repair an angry or malicious relationship. Uh, as with Jesus' words about bringing a gift to the altar, uh, Jesus is not really specific about uh, whose fault it is. He just says, if you bring your gift to the altar and know that someone has a real problem with you, leave your gift there, go and get it right. It do he doesn't even mention whose fault it is or who started the, the problem or uh, who should be the first one to apologize? None of that. He just said, if you're a child of God, then you are charged with the responsibility, no matter who's at fault, to go and get it right before you off, offer your gift to God. Because if you don't, then there's a wall between you and God as you offer your gift on the altar. So you and I are given the responsibility to take the action to repair angry relationships. Uh, and get those resolved. Action number two, be a bridge, not a barrier to healing. So in other words, sometimes we have to go the extra mile to forgive those who need it. Don't close off your love to people. Uh, pray for your enemy. Uh, when the opportunity comes and you have an ability to do so, uh, reach out to them. Uh, you know, Prayer doesn't just change circumstances. When you pray, it changes who you are. Uh, and, and I think Jesus told us to pray for our enemy. 
because it changes our attitude toward them, not their, not their attitude toward us uh, without us being changed toward them. So when Jesus says, pray for your enemy, it's, it's a hard issue for us too. Well, and, and I appreciate that comment, Ivan. We all have problems there. You, uh, I, I, this just comes to mind. This was not really planned. But, of course, for, for some of you don't know, I have a pastor friend whose wife was murdered. Uh, and uh, John Alford's wife was taken from us very quickly, and I did her funeral. Uh, Gwen and I went to North Carolina last month and visited down there and got to see my, my friend John and uh, visit with him and his daughter. We ate supper with his daughter and family. Uh, and during that uh, visit with his daughter, she said, I remember in my mother's funeral, remember now she was murdered, and, it was a, it, and, and, and the trial has not yet come for those two men. They're still sitting in holding in a prison, and they've not been tried yet. So things have not been resolved. They don't have a prison sentence yet uh, after three years this past March. Uh, but she said, I remember in the funeral you told us we needed to pray for them. And we needed to work toward forgiveness to them because it would help us. And she said, I've never forgotten those words, and I've not gotten there yet. But, but I'm working in that direction. And so I, I, I praise and thank God. You know, sometimes in the hardest moments of life, we know where we need to get to. And, and though it's a long journey, and we might not have made all of that trip yet, and we've not gotten to the complete resolution of what we know we need to do with God and with others, we know the journey because Jesus tells us so. Pray for your enemy. Resolve the anger. Resolve the malice. And uh, the Lord will be at work in that. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you will join us on our next podcast.